Hello and welcome to the after party, where we are just poised in bullet time, boulders crashing above our heads. Who knows what's going to be happening? I don't know. I think Eric does. I do. I, I wrote down what happens next. Hey, what happens next? I can't tell you. Is this the scoop? Can we get the scoop? Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Eric reveals plot for episode 19 and after party for 18. Can I get a scoop of Rocky Road? Ooh. It's a rock. <laughs> and it's, it's a rock. It's going to be a rocky road to the bonefish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no! <laughs> We've already gone off the rails. But let's back up to the beginning of this episode, where I'm going to be honest with you listeners, felt some personal tension across the table as Fish and I concocted a lie with Brandon sitting there watching us. Yeah, you mean when you lied to my face? Yeah. You both of you? When Babe? You, when you lied to my faces? Yeah. He, he was not happy about that. <laughs> no. No, he was not. But You know, I was actually more frustrated by... That you guys got out of the lie, so so. Oh yeah, we did. It was really easy. It was really easy. <laughs> you took the lie and you wrapped it up at like a nice holiday present, and you put a little bow on it, and you gave it to me. And my character had to accept it because he's a naive little child. Our per- our persuasion is just so good, and, and our then, lie was so mediocre. Yeah, Brandon's AC is one. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help when it's like Christmas morning, and then a half zombie man runs in and lights your house on fire. Yeah, yeah, no, things quickly got out of hand. Yeah. Were you at my Christmas this year? I was. Oh. I was Santa. Was that you who came and lit my house on fire? Yeah, Santa. Cool. And I was at your Thanksgiving where there was a rum punch on tap. There and was that. didn't end well. No. And it was very fun. Yeah, it was a good time. There were consequences, though. <laughs> like, all good fun. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of people coming into my home to light it on fire with a giant sword, Jamie? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> what is... what? What are they... Who is he? Yeah, I First mean, of all, what's the pronouns? We didn't really talk about Jamie. He, his. Jamie started out as just a regular kind of heterosexual man, bro, but then he turned into a revenant. Revenant is the official term we were going off of. I thought that Jamie was like killed in such a sort of like. Man, we talk about Batman a lot on this podcast, but in such like a revengeful Batman y sort of way that like he came back to really get his vengeance on the Blackfish. I feel like there is a way to bring him back and a way for him to be like half dead at the same time. Wizards actually has a lot of really interesting stuff on Revenants and on sort of like those kind of monsters from the Curse of Strahd module. But it's really buried in there. Like you need to buy the module before you can get these races from it. So it's like he was a human to start with and then he was like half alive, half dead and only motivated by vengeance, which is why like he was aflame and just wanted to kill people. Is you know, a, as he said, is that a feature of of revenants? Is they're they're half alive and half dead? Like, are they actually half skeleton, or is that just flavor? No, I just made that flavor. His skeletonness was flavor, but he is like revenants are undead. But it's not irrelevant, reverend. Oh, I thought you were going to say something to contribute to me. <laughs> <laughs> revenants are in the monster manual. And there's some interesting features that I pulled from there, but the race that they come up with actually gets into, like, the heart of the vengeance that the person wants to do. Like, you are motivated by it. You can come back as many times as you want as long as your 
revenge isn't done and it only takes 24 hours to come back. So if Jamie died, which there were a couple of situations that I let Jamie be in danger and I wanted to see what would happen to him. He could just come back in 24 hours and you'd see him again, just like walking around with a flame sword. That would have been truly surprising. Yeah. Well, this raises a question that you can't answer. Is his quest actually done? Apparently not. Yeah. Is it to get Cassie back? Is it to behead the blackfish? Is it to kill the bone whale? Is it to assassinate someone? You know, like we don't know. Yeah. I I think this is interesting because I don't know if in game I knew about Revenants. I don't know. I don't think Amanda, you did either. Fish, you probably did. But that adds an extra dimension to who Jamie is now. Mm. Well, the question was always about the purpose, right? But that's what I really like about a lot of these characters, races, and classes that the Monster Manual and all the other books give you. Tracy has a purpose. He wants to, you know, live his best life with his second chance. Nara has a purpose, uh, you know, to grow and become the assassin that she was always meant to be. Johnny has a purpose. He needs to bring the light. So a being that is just purpose, like his only existence is to complete the purpose and then be done, is just so great. Because that's, I don't know, D&D is all about you know, finding out how you solve your main path storyline thing you're trying to do. And then the DM also tries to take you along with a nice adventure as that happens. Yeah. And I was surprised initially that it was so easy to convince Jamie to work with us. But I think what you're saying, Fish, is like if they only have one objective, then it doesn't matter how they achieve it. Like a normal person would be distrustful or would have instincts or would say, you know, I don't know, just like have other factors influencing their decisions. But in this case, you know, we promised to help Jamie and his quests out there outside the giant mistake. And he was like, okay, fine. And here in this episode, convincing him to come with us was easier. Yeah, It's not to say he doesn't have nuance, but that is kind of like why a revenant is so cool. Cause yeah. it's, it, it is ends justify means just all the way, like a full, what would it be on the scale of things? Um, Following their own laws. I think it's lawful neutral. Lawful I never look neutral, into that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that. This is something that we talked about uh, with Misha Stanton, who is the audio drama sorcerer of our hearts. Misha has played with a bunch of players who don't think that the alignment scale really fits. And instead of good and evil, it's active and passive. So what I really love about this is that, so it's like on one axis, it would be active, passive, and then lawful, lawful to chaotic. So it's like, how much do you believe in your cause with what kind of like path do you take to get to that cause? And then I would call Jamie active lawful. It doesn't say anything about his like goodness or badness. He just does it. Mm. And as what happened with you guys, you did convince him to go with you. But as soon as he saw the thing that he thought that he needed, that other boat streaking to the other side of the river, he just bolted. He's gone. Yeah. So once we do get to the other side of the river, Psalms, Jamie, we at the table did an awful lot of like, okay, well, are we going to stay within 30 feet of each other? Because we know that the giant has 30 feet of influence. And so we were trying to figure out like what the configuration of us like crawling. I, I had an, in the in my mind an image of like lost, like creeping through the forest, trying to like surprise the polar bear or whatever, as we tried to kind of sneak up on Zuby. Man, spoilers for 2006. Come on. It man. was like episode two, Eric. It was like episode two. Episode two. Yeah, I've only watched negative one episode and it was of 2006. Four, in case you're wondering. <laughs> wow. And I was very excited to do an idea that I had with Zuby, but then we were sidetracked by some kind of cursed arrow biz. Fish, where did that come from? So here's the deal. Since we left Alonzo at the tavern and he ended up on that bridge, I feel like Johnny's really been trying to pay more attention to him. So has Amanda, because I wrote at the top of my notes for this episode, don't forget Alonzo. <laughs> it's true. 
And I think is that when when this show is all done and we're we've we're all millionaires and famous and super special, mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. we all just get the matching tattoos that say "Don't forget Alonso"? Brandon, <laughs> if we make a million dollars from this podcast, I swear here and now in January 2018 that I will get a tattoo that says "Don't forget Alonso." Oh my cool. God. <laughs> I will not swear to this. Anyone second forget. that motion? Second. Okay. I third. I'll all do right. It. I will have Fish? forgotten. I yeah. will have forgotten. We'll remind you. We'll get and you a temporary you tattoo. Don't worry. There it is. <laughs> So this episode, I really wanted to make sure Alonzo was safe with the boulder. And then with the arrows, it's like, if he's distracted with arrows, he won't, you know, go near the thing. So no, that's not true. I just wanted to mess with him. Here's the thing. Alonzo is so easy to mess with. (laughs) And I have such a high persuasion (laughs) that it is any like little (laughs) thing that I say, Eric's like, okay, roll. And I'm like, damn it. And so now... He has cursed arrows. <laughs> it's such a problem that you, just for you as a person, Michael yeah. Fichet, that your jokes have consequences now. You, you talk first and think later. Again, this is what I, I talked about this with Jess Zimmerman. I've talked about this a bunch of times before. I love the random stuff that I put on your character sheets and how they always manage to come up later. Like Captain Johnny. our mind reading potion. Yeah. Which I got in episode, what, like four. five? Episode four. four. That was when we did Chopped. And every episode before we start recording, Eric says, remember what items you have and remember how you fight. Specifically to me, because it's very hard because I'm a rogue. But in this case, I remembered my items and down on my character sheet, I was looking, being like, what? Like, it just felt, I said this the first time we met Zuby, a giant feels like an insurmountable foe. Not knowing giants very much, their mechanics in d and I'm just looking at a thing that's a hundred times bigger than me and think, well, nope, I have no chance. So to me, you know, there needed to be some kind of item assistance. And I don't know, I just saw it and thought if I can, you know, jive with him in his own reality, which is clearly disconnected from this one, then maybe, I don't know, maybe we can have a chance. Semi-canned question, because I know the answer to this. Were you expecting Amanda to use the mind-reading potion? I was not expecting Amanda to use mind-reading potion. This interaction was supposed to go a lot more dangerously. You guys were supposed to forget his radius of curse. Someone was supposed to get charmed. And I was really waiting for, well, because you guys have elven blood, so mm-hmm. it's harder for this to happen. But I was waiting for Tracy or, or Alonzo to get stuck to Zuby. I've got like like wood sap blood. Or yeah. Evan actually as well. Yeah, Evan too. Evan. I, so like any of these people were going to get stuck to Zuby and then you were going to have to kill him and figure out what happens. I do have to say this mind reading potion and your sneeze scene, <laughs> uh, Fish slash Johnny <laughs> Seriously, one of the two most inspired D&D plays I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Thank you. Sincerely. Gracias. Very good. Amanda, how did you feel about interacting with Zuby? I feel like I ran out of Shakespeare, and then you just kind of like ran with it. I'm really excited for the way that this turns out since we record it before I hear the episode. But I'm just like, yeah, how do you feel about talking to this otherworldly monster? I'm also really excited to see what Brandon does with the music. Or what, I guess, in the present moment for the listener, what he hasn't done with the music. Because something that I'm really proud of that we do with the show is sort of use music and sound effects and editing to recreate the magic that we feel here in the room playing the game, which is otherwise really, really hard to convey. And like this moment felt really magical to me. Like I have so many Shakespeare quotes in my head. Like if me, Amanda, had to do this with some kind of foe, I'd probably be able to pull it off. And so to kind of put that skill to use in game felt like, oh, like I was born to do this, you know, and it was just, it was really energizing. But I have spent a lot of time in mental health 
communities, in support groups, talking to people in panic attacks, you know, and like kind of talking people through logically deconstructing how the reality that they are perceiving that is real to them is connected and disconnected from the one the rest of us are in. So to be able to kind of go to someone in the the dark place and help them recenter themselves and reconnect is like profoundly moving. I teared up a little bit when I was just listening. I mean, I'm listening back and I'm like cutting little ums and stuff and I'm still just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like it was such a such a beautiful moment, especially I think it hit hard for me, too. That I While we were playing, I don't think I connected the mental health aspect, but while we were playing, I was also trying to fix some sound issues that I was having. So I didn't really hear what was happening. So it was almost like I was getting to hear it with fresh ears and it was mm-hmm. really impactful for me. I know that we said like he says, she says a lot when we were talking but in my head they were just like in each other's minds just like talking to each other like that i felt like everything else was silent when it was happening i don't know yeah i thought it was i thought it was special too yeah i feel a lot of self-consciousness when we play less and less over time but i often get tripped up in can i do this can i not do this what do i roll i'll start saying inara does this and then switch to saying i do this but in that scene like i just felt some kind of you know i was really just fully immersed in the moment and i think I probably used the first person more. I didn't look at my notes. I didn't look off to the distance to think. Like I felt almost as if someone else's words, you know, were coming through me, which I feel when writing and not many other times. So it was really, really exciting. Shout out to our why all writers should play D&D article for Electric Lit um, that we'll include in the description because we talk there also about how this can just be a like process of the story flowing through you in a way that is really hard to do when writing. All right. We got a whole bunch of dice in the mail from our listeners will shout out oh dang yes oh my god will thank you so much i have red dice a whole like classic DD red chessic set i also got a gold metal d20 for extra thumpiness when i need to be dramatic thank you so much will wherever so, you are all, all the time all the time we're gonna be using this so will thank you so much how, how- www will will w writes Amazing audio critique. Go find her on Twitter and read her stuff. She's one of the best. No, she's the best audio critic. Audio critic out there. I haven't read better ones, honestly. Absolutely not. I don't have either. You don't have to send us dice to win our love. I'm not going to say that that's like an equivalent thing. Although I wouldn't say no to some dice listeners. Oh my God. I'm a little thirsty. When, When I gave Eric the dice that he got from Will, I was like, I love my dice, but I just want all my dice to be gay. I want my dice to be the gayest possible. And Brandon said, do they have rainbow dice? And I was like, Brandon, they have a whole world of rainbow (laughs) dice, of glitter dice, of like throw little holograms in the light dice. It's amazing. And I'm just saying that we have a P.O. Box, Amanda McLaughlin, P.O. Box 58, Merrick, New York, 11566. And I am going to include the address in the description of this episode just in case you want it. Just saying. (laughs) Are we done shilling for ourselves? Yes. Okay. Wait, hold on. Yeah. I would like a uh, set of non-sequential unmarked bills sent to... <laughs> <laughs> no Hundred, dies. Hundreds and twenties, please. Yeah. Listeners, if you don't know what Michael Fichet is going to say next, I want you to know that we never have any idea what's going to come Either. out of his mouth next. Non-sequential. Non-sequential what? It could be anything. I want some weird dice. I want dice with like the zodiac on them or like the <laughs> elements, you know, or just like just weird shit. That's my problem is I don't have a ton of dice because I'm so picky about how cool they are. So like, yeah, I need some cool dice, y'all. I Help know. me find them. I know. Send me links. We will buy them also. Uh, I have a dice with a pair on it. <laughs> just on the six. It's just a pair. That's pretty good. <laughs> From Shut Up and Sit Down. It's a, 
Board Game Review site. Nice. Cute. I got them after party questions. Are y'all ready? Yes. Ready. This, this first one comes from Gremlin, a.k.a. Audio Horror, a.k.a. The Eldritch One, a.k.a. Bridge. Bridge wants to know, I'm curious as to how exactly the players feel about the Book of Things to Come. If you don't remember, the Book of Things to Come is what Tracy pulled out of the Fidopolis library. He has opened it and some bad thing might happen to him in the future. Well, I don't know about it. And I think if I did, I would be curious. I think Inara kind of trusts in the universe. Like she trusts that there are bigger truths out there to learn. Hence her like acceptance of notes that the Assassin's Guild has sent her or kind of cryptic signs and just kind of belief that her hunch can be confirmed by evidence. And that means that it's correct and like, and like, let's go. So I think she'd probably be a little bit wary, but kind of fascinated. In case you guys haven't realized by now, Johnny's a big book guy. He yes. likes books. Books are very important to him. He'd probably pay attention and be like a little nervous about it. And that's understating it. No, he'd be very nervous about the contents of it. Did you tell us the contents of it? This is what I'm wondering. Have I? No. What's Who knows about this? Is it just me? It's you and Tammy and Taylor. It. I haven't told. Whoops. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, it was slightly intentional. I didn't tell you specific things. Like I didn't tell you the warnings that I read about intentionally. But I, I don't remember not telling. I guess... I guess I did sort of steal it and then get like the okay from James. Yeah, if I remember correctly. No, you just kind of stuck it. No, you stuck it out. James wasn't there. But then I went and apologized for it. Oh yeah, we were in the room at the time, I think, but we were doing other things. Yeah, so I think tra- only Tracy actually knows about it. But regardless, I think Tracy, I think he's skeptical because, I mean, it's like foreboding, but at the same time, I don't think he believes because nothing's quite happened yet to give him that evidence right like you told me as a dm that something bad's gonna happen to me but i don't think tracy knows that tracy just felt an overwhelming sense of dread there's not like we haven't talked about any sort of mechanics right exactly so i don't think anything's given him the willies yet you know Mm. and to clarify the dread is because he wrote in it not because he read it yes okay here's what happened he wrote what happens next and whatever that might mean I'm not saying it's because he wrote in it, but something about the action that which Tracy took Oof. triggered it. Yeah, and like any good bookworm, I cringed in the moment as we were playing when he wrote in the book. I was like, oh no, like clearly it was what you had to do, but I don't know. I just follow, A, I'm a librarian at heart and I don't believe in, in defacing books that aren't yours, but B, I follow Arthur Weasley rules here, which is if you can't see where it keeps its brain, don't trust it. Mm, very good I mean I was actually just going off Harry Potter and writing the book for that reason because I wanted to see what would happen Uh, and she shouldn't have trusted the book because it doesn't keep its brain anywhere I'd never said Tracy trust the book I'm just trying (laughs) to get data wouldn't the brain of a book be the table of contents and or index no that's only the like the like synapses and like nerve relay system of getting you from one place to another. But isn't the brain just all those things? No, the just book, it, it's just, it's the inner mapping of neurons. Well, man. there's like more pages than that. There's like other well, things. Well, have you thought of a sequential? No. The, okay. the brain is the processing <laughs> unit and then also the guide to the processing unit, which is why it's fucking crazy, man. Listen, I don't know if you've ever thought of about this, but books have words. <laughs> now, what are these books you're speaking of? <laughs> Wait, if you think the word I, then who's doing the thinking? 
Eric, I think you should read the next question. <laughs> All right, this one's from uh, Right Katie Wright, Katie's Delivery Service. Yo, Katie. Now I'm curious what people's stats would be for these. Just how high would Tracy's childlike wonder stat be? And she refers us to a very popular Tumblr post. This is from Philosophy Shit Scribble. <laughs> good name. Thank awesome. You. Tumblr good. is the fucking best. All right, I want to play a tabletop RPG where my six stats are gumption, chutzpah, Moxie, <laughs> childlike wonder, the cut of my jib, and a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> you guys were all great at this. <laughs> these are we're these are the, the like non-canonical traits that our characters are really strong at. We should be writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> I think that where everyone's highest are, I think that Anara's highest is the cut of my jib. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. My low is probably a certain je ne sais quoi, which yeah. I wish I had, but same. I'm obviously minus three to je ne sais quoi. Same, same, yeah. same. Well, I think that Tracy, his highest is childlike wonder, oh, yeah. and his lowest is the cut of my jib. <laughs> that's I agree true. wholeheartedly. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My jib is not very cut. Yeah, I got to say with this, Johnny is the most evenly distributed character. I feel yeah. like he has I plus one, plus two, and all these things. Yeah, I wouldn't have a negative. I guess cut of my jib would be the highest, but also... Uh, it's weird because your sense of je ne sais quoi. It's weird because you're broken. <laughs> okay. Well, I Listen, think Brandon, he's talking about me. Brandon <laughs> might be talking about Michael there, so that that Plot hurt a little bit. It's about conflict. Wrong. So broken characters are like the most. It's very know, true. Plot driven. Yeah. It's very true. All right, I'm gonna take this one. This is from Katie G, who does our wonderful. JTP live tweets. JTP live tweets. Thank you. Can the baker in Antopolis occasionally be heard shouting, Marie, the baguettes, hurry up? Or is Antopolis more of a sourdough or cornbread sort of place? Hashtag asking them cultural questions. I would definitely say Antopolis is a sourdough sort of place. I don't know if it's just like the water being there. And we have it. It's the water. It's the water. It's the water. I didn't actually believe that until Eric and I went to San Francisco and it was just a catered... On a, a catered... cute romantic getaway. It was very cute. For business. For jobs. We had... It was just a catered lunch from some random sandwich shop in the city, but that bread on those sandwiches was phenomenally good. Yeah. I, the yeah. first time I was in San Francisco, I went to Fisherman's Wharf, which is very touristy, but whatever, and just had a bowl of tomato soup and a piece of sourdough bread roughly the size of my head. It was a bread bowl. And yes. it was like one of those meals where you hear chefs talk about like the perfect tomato. Like it was perfect. It was perfect. Just the taste. It was like it was like I'd never tasted food before. I'm now jealous. I've not been to San Francisco, but yeah. I've had riceroni, which is from San Francisco. <laughs> so riceroni is. That's very true. There's a really good 99 percent invisible about riceroni. Is it sour sourdough rice? Yeah, it's actually kind of similar. It's like yep, the, the sure. process around it. It's really interesting. You should look it up. I had nothing to add. I'm so Good sorry. Question. Now, what is what is this podcast you speak of? Uh, it's mostly invisible. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, this is <laughs> <Wow>. from Neon. <laughs> that was very good. So <laughs> an ineffective invisibility spell? <laughs> yeah, it tried to cast invisibility on itself, but like you can still see its nose. Wow. This is from Neon, and I want you to think about your first choices. If you had to go back and pick a different race and class, what would you pick? I wonder if you can, like, remove your personality you have for your character and then put it on a different race or class. I know a lot of that stuff is, like, inherently tied there. But it's like, if Anara, Johnny, and Tracy had to be a different race or class, what would it be? I think there's an argument for Anara being a human and having to kind of find her extraordinariness in a trade instead of in like magic or ability or brute strength or the things that other races have. I can see her having kind of like inferiority complex about that. Mm. But I also just super like tieflings and I think it'd be very fun to play a tiefling. Sure. Do you want a different class or you can't imagine her other th- anything other than a rogue? Uh, I think barbarian would be interesting. 
And I also just love the mechanics of sorcery. It would be a different character, I think. I actually, when I was forming Inara's character, was really going back and forth between is she like someone who's really studious and following kind of Book of Light style, some kind of higher guidance, or someone who is like, I don't know, energetic and willing to try stuff and kind of like chooses a direction and like goes for that one. So I chose the one that was most unlike me, which is Inara's current character. Sure. Imagine if all of us were just disciples of the Book of Light. Oh, man. Oh we would be doing the name of the wind and it would be really boring. <laughs> yeah. Aren't, aren't we? I mean, we kind of are. Hey, Patrick. We're doing a role playing game. <laughs> Patrick Rothfuss, if you're out there, I'd like to talk to you about your beard and some other choices. Thanks. Fish, how would you change Johnny? I would probably, I know we've talked about them before, but the Janasi are a race that I really, really like. Yeah, Brandon's uh, saying <laughs> that it's the same non-verbally. I actually just found at home my old Genasi character. And what I, are they? They are they're humanoids that in their lineage at some point they've had interactions with, uh, well, let's say in the family way, interactions with elements or genies. Okay. They're part – they have – You mean sex. They had – it's very Zeus style. Okay, like okay. a genie came out of the Ooh. elemental plane and had sex with a person. So that there's physical, very interesting. There's physical traits of an element. So it could be earth, fire, water, wind, storm. There's a few others that can be done. My particular one was a storm. He was very actually close – in the lineage to when the sex times happened. So he was... <laughs> oh, my God. God. How about the convergence of those two Reese's? Also maybe? that. And so he had to keep himself together and had to focus on keeping himself together. Oh, because he wanted, like, the element part would wanted to blow him apart. Right. Like, wow. especially if he were trying to disguise himself. And they get a lot of negatives because people look at them even worse than mm. uh, tieflings. Wow. But I also gave him infinitely could just send a little whisper into anyone's ear. That's which cool. was pretty cool. That's awesome. Is that Friends, the spell Friends or whatever? Uh, I think it's... No, it's a message. It's a message, message or... Yeah. yeah, it's a level one spell, but for flavorness, we it's all cool. were like, yeah, yeah just I love do that it. spell. Yeah, and what other class would Johnny be? Paladin or a cler cleric. Cleric. Especially if Johnny is going to stick with the Undying Light, it would be cleric. If it weren't an... Uh, what am I? A warlock. I know that. I'm a warlock. There you go. I thought you were a monk. Wow, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 18, folks. There you go. Are you for serious? Uh, in that moment, I thought he was a monk. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a name, put a gun to my head, had a name his class, probably would have said monk. Uh. <laughs> okay, so I can't, I literally can't imagine Tracy as any other race or class. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't think it works any other way, honestly. Sure. Give me a, give me a character you've been tooling around with. But yeah, here's what I was thinking. So I did some research and I was looking at races that I've been wanting to play and that might work. I have honestly really wanted to play Kenku. I love Ken because I think they're super interesting. That'd be so cool. Yeah. But my choice is also was actually Genasi Sorcerer, I think, working in the elemental plane. And I love the sorcerer class. It's so cool. With the wild magic. Yeah. yeah. So much fun. And like play. I both of the you can't really say this about most classes, but both archetypes are really interesting. You have the wild magic on one side and then you have like the elemental, the storm one exactly. on the other. So it's like either you're elementally in tuned or then you get to roll a D one hundred like all the time. Yeah. But let me tell you the race that I will choose now because I found it out in this list of races. Mm. There's a race called Tortle. <laughs> yeah, the Tortle just came out. Uh, Wizard of the Coast released it for a charity stream. It's from the Tortle package. Is yeah. it a tortoise? It is a turtle. It, yes. You get to play as a turtle, and I will 100% be playing a turtle at some point in the future. I love the idea of playing a Kenku. I think it would be so great for new players as well to like... I don't know, for your actions to be limited to a certain number of things and also your words. Like, I don't know, for me, it felt so crazy that whatever I say could just happen. And so if I could, before the game, 
choose like 30 phrases or something in my lexicon and then pick others up as time went on. I don't know, as, as like a person who loves notes and a person who loves rules and limits, that just sounds so fun. Yeah, I saw someone on D&D, the Reddit D&D page, wrote this post about Kenkus and that what they did was they started out with no language and then what they did is as the game progressed they wrote down phrases right. that their players their actual players would play yeah. and that was all they could say and it was that's brilliant that's also great just for like group cohesion as well like yeah. all groups develop in jokes you know and so to have some of those immortalized to have a reason to bring it back again and again that's awesome yeah if really I were cool. to play as a Kenku I would have like a recorder on to catch like everything and then make for each episode have little an updated clips. yeah the little boxes where keyboard you keyboard or something like yeah. a keyboard or something where you're just playing those sound effects of the other people saying things at the table and just I mess love that. up. As a former sound technician, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> what would be Stoneface's other class? You know, other than they, we were just talking about this, how Stoneface, you can bring gargoyles. Now, like someone made a, a monster manual to make them all playable, which I think is really interesting. I think that Stoneface would be really good as a Triton. And a Triton is like a race of water people that have like kind of lived in Atlantis. So we're talking about like a Captain America sort of frozen in ice or like a Aquaman who is living in Atlantis, like a real sort of, no pun intended, fish out of water scenario. But then I could play Stoneface exactly the same. Like Atlantis is stuck in 1950. Yeah. That would be amazing. I want that so bad. That's good. Imagine how cool their car, their water cars are. Yeah. Imagine well, how much get... pomade is down there. <laughs> Water-resistant pomade. All right, that was the after party. Uh... Yeah, thanks for listening. Well, you can find us at Join the Party Pod on all the places. Listen, if y'all aren't patrons, you can join for $1 per episode. $1 and be in our Discord. And it is just not even for us, but for you guys. It is so worth doing. It is the best. That's why we are so warm to all of these listeners that we know who ask us questions. Because we get to hang out with them every single day and trade pet photos and dice photos. And like links to the queerest stuff we can find on the internet. And talk about character stuff and troubleshoot people's RPGs. It is the funnest place on the internet. And I'm just going to say it right now. You can challenge me. Whatever. I don't care. But join us at patreon.com slash join the party pod. One other thing that really helps and costs exactly zero dollars is to tell a friend who would love join the party about join the party. It can be somebody who doesn't listen to podcasts. It can be somebody who's never heard of D&D. And in fact, those two groups of people are the kinds of people that you should be texting about join the party. Maybe it's a long distance Tumblr friend. Maybe it's someone that you met at a book release party 10 years ago and you're still friends with. Maybe it's your grandma or your cousin or your brother who you're pretty sure is cooler than you think he is. You can bond over join the party. So take their phone, subscribe them to the podcast, tell them all about it. And we would really, really appreciate you helping to join the goodness, spread the party, grow the party, join the party. Don't split the party. I mean, we do that literally all the time. Yeah, Unless, that's true. Don't like, split the party with uninformed reason. It's, good. <laughs> it's not quite as catchy, but we'll workshop it. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 split the party. Asterisk on the back of the T-shirt. If you're not really premeditating all the ways in which splitting the party can be really interesting and fun, but you also have to be really you know responsible about how you spend the players' time, especially if you're recording for tape. It's just very important to make sure that you can keep the action going and you don't you know repeat things. Um, duplicatively on tape that you that you also say to each other. <laughs> also bring snacks. Also bring snacks. Always bring snacks. Thanks, guys. Bye. We love you. Bye. Undying Light be with you. See you later. Bye.